0: Delivery, okay. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be back. I call it my home church. Indeed it is. And I love and connect it deeply here. And forever it's made an impact. I always tell people I'm a product of where I came from and who's invested in me. And so um, there is that notion and remembrance. I think I was sitting third row, maybe, something like that. I really don't quite recall. Only thing that I do recall is as soon as I walked in, what most people don't know is I had planned on going somewhere else, to a different avenue of ministry and a different congregation, and I remember walking in and there's only a few times in life you feel this special moment that you and God have where he wasn't in an audible voice per se, but it was I knew he was speaking. And so I remember just saying, God, if I don't even know why I prayed it. I didn't talk to my wife. It's never good, but I said, Lord, if this is where you want me, tell me. Sure enough, he did within 30 days, I think it was 30 days, I was down here and, and left St. Louis and came down here for seven or eight years, and uh, just, I am who I am. I love Pastor Sharon and Sister Shea and his family, and still today, we are very connected, and he does serve as my pastor, because pastors need pastors indeed, and, and I'm, forever changed by this church and I feel comfortable here I feel at home a lot of new faces which is great I love it um, most of you I do not know but the other half I do and it's go- so good to see everybody every time I walk in the doors you welcome me with wide open arms now I'm so appreciative of that and um so glad uh, obviously my wife is here and she was, uh, someone was looking for you earlier, I forget. So she's around here somewhere, but she's back there. And uh, so glad that she's here today. And of course, my man child is here, and he's no longer a baby, but he's a big boy. And we're glad that Braxton's here and able to travel and uh, be with us today. Amen. I love what I feel. Thank you for standing. Just a brief scripture. Uh, a couple of scriptures and then we'll get on with the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read 7 through 10. And uh, what a great spirit that's here today. It would be almost protocol to say such a thing, but it's here. And I'm thankful for what I feel. Amen. 2 yes. Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, reads as follows. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations it was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. But he said unto me, and he replied, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, listen to this, for when I am weak, then... Am I strong? Just for a few moments today, I just want to talk to you simply on the ministry of thorns. The ministry of thorns. God bless you. You can be seated. I believe that it's a safe assumption that in most religious bodies, there are many ministries that can be highlighted, promoted to simply empower the local congregation, therefore it, it bleeds into the community and those that are outside of these four walls. I won't neglect the fact that there are, in most cases, guidelines in every ministry that is serving the church of the living God. In these ministries, I will just say this, if I could, respectfully, that not everybody's fit for them. Not everybody will hold a mic and preach or sing. There are even qualifications to be on a praise team. Number one, you need a good voice. That's the qualification. I do know that in my local assembly, it is an ongoing gesture. They always tell me, Pastor Dosh, you stick to the preaching and we'll do the singing. Simply it's because I will be the first to admit that I cannot sing a tune in a bucket. Just It's not in my being to be able to sing. Matter of fact, I'm probably one of the few that ever had been demoted and kicked out of a choir because one time I grabbed a mic and thought that I could sing. And the response from the director was, they called me Doss back then. Doss, don't you ever touch another microphone. But I do know that over the years, I've been pastor 11 years now and been in ministry full-time for some 20 years. I know that there's been an evolution of great ministries that have been created that that had the purpose to connect people with Christ. And some have been very creative, and some have not worked out quite as well. As a matter of fact, it was a couple years ago I had a lady in my church approach about a ministry she entitled and wanted to call it Paul's Ministry, P-A-W-S. And I said, okay. She said, well, I just want to create a ministry where people, when they lose dogs, I have this chip scanner that I want to be of service to them and be able to tell where that dog came from. And I said, well, if you think it's going to work, I said, that's fine. Let's go ahead and do it. And Believe it or not, it has been a great connection for our community. People, when they lose their animals or find stray, we, we have the lady just for you who can help you endeavor into that ministry. The list goes on and on about ministries. We have youth ministry, we have bus ministry, we have outreach and so forth. I just say this, that every ministry is vital to the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, But we read about a different ministry, it's a portion of scripture, it stands out that and there's a sense of strangeness about God and how he calls people to ministry. Here it is, the Apostle Paul, he's the height of spiritual power, he's at the point of revival, but We know that, if you read, there's a calamity that sets in the life of the great Apostle Paul. It is probably even greater illustrated in the life of Peter. As to the paradox, the working of God in our own lives. Did you know, that Peter was was outspoken, landish. He would always say things that that really wasn't couched with wisdom nor intact. He would say things like, Lord, if it be, bid me to come out to you. Lord, if it is good for us to be here, he said, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses and Elias. He also stated the words in the gospel, the crowd pressed on Jesus, and and, uh, he said, well, how can you say who touched me? This is just simply a sampling of some of Peter's comments in the Word of God that his words mark him, often hastily rushing into a sacred territory like a blind bull full of of, of confidence and arrogance. But on the other hand, despite his heady remarks that Peter makes often, I do believe that his heart was always close to this thing we call repentance. As with the lake scene attempting to tread waters much too deep for him, but he was willing to do one thing, he cried out to the master. Often it is in our nature, in our, the ability to comprehend the way that God will work through us, with us, and in us. Yet I believe today that it thrills God to bring power out of weakness. The real issue in life is not, do I have one? But the issue is, what am I going to do with my weakness? What we normally do is simply deny them. We defend them. We excuse our weakness. We represent them. And most of all, we hide them. Why? Because simply as our nature, we do not want anybody to see our weakness. If we were all today transparent that you and I, everybody, under the sound of my voice, you have a weakness. I heard three of you that had some transparency today, enough to admit that you have a weakness. Weakness. But God purposely, I believe, works through weak people. Why? Because I believe it shows His power. God is not impressed with your strength, you are. God doesn't look, I believe, for those who have the strength. Because there's no glorification in your ability to do what you know how to do. It's those that have a weakness that God simply says, out of that, my power is shown through. Your weakness and your inabilities to do what's impossible to do. You and I have weaknesses, and it might be differ from one to another, but we all have a weakness. So don't think that God is impressed with your abilities and talents, but he's really impressed with somebody who knows and can admit that they are weak. For when you are weak, he is strong. One of the dangers of strength is that it breeds an independent spirit. I get that we need strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I get we need strength to make it through the day. I, I understand that. But if we are not careful, strength will be like a curse. Because once we think we got it figured out and we got it all together, I'm getting somewhere, hold on. We, we, we somehow feel like we've arrived And we are at the point of where we don't need anybody and we don't need God. And and we can do this by ourselves. Come on, somebody. That's that's why this, this little word called trust. Trust in the Lord. And if you're not careful, you will be dependent upon what you can do and what you, come on, somebody. Your abilities and your talents. But God made it to where, number one, that, that we value and need each other. Number one, and, and beyond that, we must have God in everything that we do. Great spiritual power. He the apostle Paul was the epitome of discipleship and as a disciple he 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 studied with the very best he had it all together prolific in his writings throughout the entire new testament he put pen to paper with such power and authority and knowledge and and he 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 has this great spiritual power and and yet at the very same time he 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 has this nagging thorn in his flesh that, that he recognizes and that, that he cries to God three times to remove this stain from my flesh because Satan come to buffet me. But God said, hey, just hold on, but my grace is sufficient for thee. Great faith, but weak faith the distraction that that constantly allowed him to understand that despite of power and privilege of this crucified life, that there, him, in his life, there was a sense of weakness. So it is with thorns that come our way they have a unique prospect of shaping and molding us into who we should be. Paul, he was quick to affirm that 14 years ago that there was a place of excessive revelation, a place that he had been close to God where to one look back for 14 years in the life of Paul, it, it, they, 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 it, it was during the stoning of Derby and Lystra. At this place of pain and agony, of a stoning, the word says that, that the apostle Paul was lifted to the third heaven. And it was there. That God revealed to him this great mystery of the third heavens. Such an experience that Paul does not even relate to what he saw. But it was because, I believe, of a great experience in his life that he came to great revelation. But he also came to bear this mark this thorn, this, this thing in his flesh that kept him right where he needed to be. There's a basic understanding of, of a thorn. It's, it's, however, it's, Paul was not referencing here this, this small little simple hurt that served to distract him. At different times, as he walked with God, there's there's a ministry of thorns. There's most ministries. There's qualifications, if you will, to be in ministry. But this ministry I talk about, it's it's not prejudice. It's not biased. Doesn't care how old you are, how how long you've been in the church. If not now, but there will come a time where you are faced with something that buffets your flesh. Something that you wish with your life that would be removed hence and no more again. There's there's there will be a time where you pray and call out to God and say God why? Why why me? Why why do I got to go through this? What did I do? You will be faced with opposition and you'll, you 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 will face the ministry of a thorn in your flesh. You will be faced with this with this, with this thing that 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 you seem just cannot get rid of in your life, ministry. That Greek word thorn is—it's very elementary. Scallops, scallops. It's, it's it's something that's pointy. It's it's sharp. It's it's the presence of a stake, if you will. It's something that can cause severe pain and it's an irritation. I'm sure many of you here today have had a splinter. It's common knowledge that that little bitty splinter get it in your fingertip and you can't tie your shoes. Just just get one in on the tip of your finger and you realize how much you're dependent upon just one little finger if just that that little bitty thing that's just so minute and micro that that if you do not remove it it will it will further irritation and it will it will cause some pain and swelling and what what do you do when you get one you pull it out you get you get rid of it because it is an irritation in your life i often tell people It's fine to ask God to remove some things. But don't be disappointed when he doesn't. You you can ask him all you want. Pray and seek. But there's just some things it seems like God never removes. Because until the presence of a thorn that marks my life hear me i am just but a shell of what god desires to do at the turn of paul's life there there there, there was satan to harass and to annoy to 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 depress and hurt him yet, yet this, this thorn carries with it this, this evil pain, but also at the very same time it carries about what we call good pain. That's why he said that that, that I, I take pleasure in my infirmities. That's paradoxical. How, how is it that, that you pleasure in pain? Nowadays, we would call that a disease that that people thrive to hurt themselves. But he said, I take pleasure in my infirmities. I have revelation and I, I have this powerful revelation of who God is. But at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, I have a thorn in my flesh that is just driving me insane. I, I thank God, hear me today. I always say that, 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 that for the revelation of the oneness, I, I love having the revelation of the oneness. It's changed my life. I love the revelation of the new birth, salvation, and then I, I love having all that. But man, going through life, you'll, you'll eventually get the revelation. Of why you go through what you go through. Some of you today are questioning. You want to know why you, but may I tell you, if you would just keep open up to God in the Spirit, He will give you a divine revelation of why you go through what you go through. He will show you someday down the road why you have been facing what you've been facing. Hear me, there is a revelation. Woo! that's coming your way through the ministry of thorns. Because hear me, I often say that, that Satan, he can afford to leave some of you alone. For he does not fear you. It is a sure indicator to me that if I'm not, and I get that it won't always be this way, but when I'm fighting hell and I'm going through it, it is a sure indicator for me that at least this old boy is doing something right. It's not all bad when the enemy's fighting you and browbeating you. It just goes to show me that I am a threat and that I am doing something right somewhere along the line. And that I've become a target, a walking target for the enemy. Why? Because I always believe he's not scared of what you are, but he's worried to death by what you can be and what you should be. And there are others that Satan, he constantly badgers and opposes you in whatever you're doing. He's endeavoring to thwart their impact and your impact on your world. And he fears the result of your life getting entirely back on track. I can't tell you how many times that I've dealt with great people who, who, when they make this commitment to Christ, we call it, that it seems like there's just an all-out war against their life. It, it seems as though that everything that can go wrong will. It seems like when they make that commitment. But hear me. I believe that when you do, yes, the enemy will attack you. He will buffet you. He will throw everything in your way. He will try to distract you. He will try to keep you from coming here today. Man, you, man, what you said this morning, Pastor, I, I say it all the time. What if just everybody showed up at one time? We would have to put chairs out. Come on, somebody! We would have to build bigger buildings. Come on, somebody! What if just everybody showed up at one time, man? Oh, man! I believe that, especially on Wednesday nights. Here's how I know when revival is: when people show up Wednesday, and the enemy will do whatever he can. To to distract you, to keep you bound to other things in life. When in reality, this is to me the most important day. This day is so vital. But don't let things keep you from getting back on track. There's somebody here today, you just need to get back on track. Come on, somebody, you just need to get back on track. You, you need to get right where you are and you need to make a commitment to God right where you stand today that yeah, you're ready to face a little opposition but can I just tell you when it's all said and done God will anoint you God will empower you He will help you come on somebody but just stay on track keep fighting the good fight of faith so the power of a thorn it causes men to pray because prayer's more than just an obligation if if prayer's just an obligation for you then you've missed it but i've i've come to find out that some people who won't pray got to find a way He will find a way to grab your attention. He he will make sure that somewhere along the line, there's something that will put you to your knees and get you to a place where now you thought you had it all together and you thought you had this thing all wrapped up. but, But thorns will make men and drive good men to pray like they've never prayed before that's what a thorn would do for your life it will get you to a place where you're not dependent upon anything else but God almighty because Paul he he, he identifies, in his own desires to pray because of the pain of the thorn, and he said, "God, if you would just, but take this—if you would just take this one little thing—oh, I could do so much better. I could be more powerful. I could be—I could—I I could be more faithful. But what if He took that one thing that kept you on your knees?" And he prayed persistently. Read it. My grace is sufficient for your thorn. He prayed specifically that that this one thing, it troubles me. Because trouble and distress, hear me, it should drive us to God. Instead of away from him. It should cause men to pray. And not complain. Yet how often it is. That we misappropriate. The purpose of our prayers. Here's what we do. We we approach the throne of grace. And we turn it into the judgment bar. By accusing God. And attempting to arraign him. And the presence of the thorn of my life causes me to depend on His grace and His mercy. For when I am weak, then am I strong. This is probably for me one of the greatest paradoxes of Scripture. Because how is it that out of weakness comes strength, that out of our inability comes the ability? How is it that out of a burden comes growth? How is it that out of this thing we call hunger comes an apostolic revival? How is it that out of doubt springs up faith out of, out of the perplexities of life comes this constraining love of Christ. It is the love of Christ, hear me, that gives us purpose, that, that brings you an eye, an anointing, that causes us to diligently seek his face. How is it that out of our weakness, he supplies strength? Gotta think about Peter's memory as he denied the Christ but it kept him dependent David's memory of Uriah's murder kept him dependent Elijah's memory of that juniper tree kept him dependent upon God it's like it's just like this. it's like an Achilles heel it's, it's, it's something that just that makes us dependent upon God. And, and hear me, without the knowledge that swift failure can occur in my life. We are all subject to failing. For we all fall short of the glory of God. And nobody is perfect, but we strive for perfection. Hear me, we are not perfect by any means. Come on, but but man, we strive. And man, we, 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 we don't have it all together like we do and like we put on the facade that we have this all together. But no, hear me today, not everybody just has it all together. But every one of us. Has somewhere in life a ministry that's that's birthed in you, and it may not be singing, and it may not be playing, and it may not be tickling the keys or playing the drums, but somewhere along the line, somebody we have this thing in our life that keeps the checks and balances, that keeps us right where we should be. And you say, Oh, it's a curse, Pastor Doss. But can I tell you today it's not a curse? It's something that keeps you in check. It helps you. It helps you. It's a ministry. It's a powerful ministry. Come on, somebody. It's a ministry that can bring anointing. It's a ministry that can bring power. Come on, somebody. It's, it's something that's in our lives. Oh, God, how many times have I prayed? God. Now, I'm not talking about your wife, so don't. Her being a thorn in your side. I'm not talking about that. How many times have we prayed for God to take it? I've seen many people. I've and and I, I've counseled, gosh, a ton of people. And they always that's always one of their go tos. I'm just if just God would take it away, just how come God won't take it away and that's just their go to that's the, that's the agonizing question that they have in their minds is they want to know why God will not remove it from them especially with addictions man i, I counsel hundreds of people a year on addictions but they just god just take it away one is just for it to be removed. And, and there are times that I've seen God remove things. And I, I mean I've seen God do miracles. And I I've I mean, I've I've questioned why did you go through what you go through? I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand everything that God puts people through. I don't, I don't even, I can't even wrap my mind around why people go through, but I do know this. I've seen multiple times that God uses whatever you're going through to help other people. To help yourself. Oh, I know that you could just wish you could get rid of the bad memories. And man, all the thoughts and all the things that happened to you when you were a child. Oh, but they've created who you are today. I am who I am by why and what I went through. And man, I went through some hell in life. And man, oh, good Lord, if I could do some things over, I would. But I am who I am today by because I, I went through. And there's still stuff in my life that I wish, good Lord, just take it away. Just, just remove it. Just... Just get rid of it. Let it vanish from my mind and from my memory. Just, just, God, just take the pain away. Take the agony away. But good Lord, the older I get, the, the, I'm not saying that I get more knowledge, but man, I've come to the conclusion those things are for my good. That's why God told Adam, because thou hast hearkened in my voice the wife have eaten the tree which i have commanded you don't eat it cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow you shall only eat all the days of your life hear me this is where it gets interesting thorns and thistles shall bring it forth This is the first mention ever of the word thorns. Without speculation, but somewhere I believe that there was no thorns before sin came into the world. I believe that 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 was just something. He said that the thorns and the thistles it shall bring it forth. This, prior to this, everything was perfected, beautiful, wonderful. And now, throughout the Word of God, from Genesis throughout the New Testament, and it stops thorns. And not all thorns are bad, not all thorns are sin. But then all of a sudden, we run across the phrase again in Matthew chapter 27. This phrase, crown of thorns. It was, it was when Jesus is on his way to Golgotha. It's this journey we call the crucifixion. It's, this, is, this is happening, and, and they... They are constructing ways to make pain as as brutal as they could, but but they 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 conjure up, if you will, this method of pain for one's agony on their way to a horrific crucifixion. They they made this crown thorns they take it and they just they just don't lightly place it upon his head they take this crown of thorns and they smash it we're not talking about little rose petal thorns little stickers we're talking about two to three inches a crown that was specifically woven together By branches and put and 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 crushed his head and they took this crown of thorns and man smashed it into his brow and and blood just ran down his forehead, down his whole face. Once again, hear me, the the, the, uh, little did the Jews know that 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 what they were doing, they were they were placing a crown of thorns on the head of Jesus. Once again, they, they could, there was no way they could block out the prophetic things that were happening at this time. Man, they tried. They tried to mock him, and they—they they gambled for his clothes, and they wrote things. Oh, king of the Jews! And man, little did they know what they were doing. And once again, they—they—they they, they take this crown of thorns, something that should have been this cursed thing. Because, man, oh, throughout the word of God, throughout the Old Testament, it was cursed. It was just cursed. The thorns were cursed. Thorns and thistles. But here, finally, God's getting ready to do something so prolific and so profound. And the Jews, they thought they could get one upon Jesus again. And they smashed this crown of thorns. But then they didn't know. They took this cursed thing and they made it into this crown. I want to speak to somebody today that you feel cursed, that you feel degraded, you feel feel defeated in life. Can I tell you, hear me today, and you got nagging questions that fill your head. But God is going to give you a fresh revelation of the purpose that he has for your life. Can I tell you that you are not cursed just because you're going through it? God is not mad at you. God's not going to browbeat you. You're not on the naughty list. Come on, somebody. You 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 think that you're defeated. You feel that you're cursed. That God has it out for you. But can I tell you he will take a curse? thing and he will turn it into a crown thing of glory and it will be the very thing You thought it was gonna kill you, but it's gonna be the very thing that saves your life. It's gonna be the very same thing that gets you to heaven. Come on, somebody. Oh, I know, I know that it hurts right now, but one day that trumpet's gonna sound. Come on, somebody. And that one thing that's kept you in check and balances. That one thing that's kept you right where you need to be, that one thing that's kept you dependent upon God will be the very same thing that gets you through heaven's gate. When that trumpet blows, come on somebody, you are not cursed. I'm getting ready to help somebody out today. You are not cursed, but you are blessed and God's going to help you and God's going to give you a fresh revelation why because you have ministry it's the ministry that doesn't get highlighted much it's a ministry that you don't get the front page often it's a ministry that hear me that even nobody knows about your spouse doesn't know your children do not know but some of you have a thorn it's a ministry ministry And it's not there to harm you, but it's there to help you through. It's there to get you to heaven. It's there to help you stay steady. In this thing we call the journey through life, but you are not cursed. You want your final crown and I'm closing? Don't curse it. Don't get rid of it. Because this ministry, I feel that everybody can be in this ministry. I feel anybody that goes through that, hear me, because it's a ministry of thorns and it'll keep you from thinking more highly than you ought to think. I'm a firm believer when they placed a crown of thorns on his head that it was symbolic of the healing of our minds believe that he can heal your mind today I wish somebody right now would just throw your hands in the air just, I know it's been rough and tough and difficult. I want to just talk to somebody that's going through some mess. I want to talk to somebody that's been their whole life questioning. You've been wondering, contemplating, trying to decipher through all the things that have happened. And I know you seem like life's unfair to you, and but can I tell you he's getting ready to take a cursed thing that you thought? Because I do know and I stand on the word that all things work together for the good. Is there anybody in here today that wants a revelation? This may not be for everybody today. Maybe for one and maybe for all. I'm just going with with the Lord. What the Lord spoke to me these last couple days. Come on, somebody! If you want to see a revelation of purpose in your life, I just want you to stand all across this place today, and I just, I just want you to come down to the. If you don't mind, we do this at our church. Just come on down to this altar, and I want you to ask God right now: Give me a revelation of why I'm going through what I've gone through. Huh? God, I've been questioning the pain, the hurt, the suffering in my life. It's got to be for some reason. It's got to be. God, there's got to be in heaven come on that's it come on that's it somebody reach out right now come on somebody right now reach out come on yeah yeah you yeah, God's got something for you God's got a ministry for you come on that's it Come on, I know you've been going through it but God's getting ready to turn around any bad in your life and he's going to make it for the good God's getting ready to open up the windows of heaven and bestow an anointing of power upon your life like you've never seen before some of you right now God's going to use in this last hour God's getting ready to use you in other ways that nobody else can be used right now in this last hour God's going to use he's going to use you come on he's going to use you come on he's going to use you in more ways than you can even dreamt or imagine come on they're going to be so powerful it's going to be so anointed come on it it will impact more than any other microphone hear me the greatest sermons are not preached behind a pulpit they're preached in your daily life and you will be the greatest sermon that people ever see, that will ever lay their eyes upon. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Some of you, come on, you're not, you are not—you don't need to be confused. Come on, God's not the author of confusion. Come on, He's not trying to confuse you. Come on, God's getting ready to give you a revelation of who you are, what you are, what you're supposed to be doing. Come on, somebody. Why? Because there's a ministry of Florence. It's not a curse. It's not a curse. It's not a curse. But it's a crown. It's a crown. Come on, begin to pray. Come on, maybe some of y'all been hurt. Maybe some of y'all been wounded, bitter, resentful. Come on, God's getting ready to use it. God's getting ready to use it. Come on, God's getting ready to turn something bitter into better. God's getting ready to use it. Come on. <laughs> All things work for are good.